listening to Dave and Dia, a podcast about basketball, life, and the Portland Trailblazers. Please keep all hands and arms inside the window and welcome your hosts, Dave Decker and Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. Dave, we've got a lot to talk about. I don't, I, I don't know if I should even ask you how you are because we have so much to talk about in so little time. Oh, Dia, there are at least a dozen reasons why you should not ask me how I am right now. So maybe we should get right to the Blazers. That's actually not a bad thing. How are you doing? Fine? Great. Thanks. That's awesome. Me too. Yeah, I'm about the same. So on to the Blazers. <laughs> oh, we could do a whole other podcast. Dave and Dia behind the scenes. <laughs> the untold and we're already, story. We're already off topic. We're already off topic. <laughs> uh, my bad. <laughs> so we. Wait, wait I, mean, I saw that Thunder game. I think we should go off topic. Maybe Dave and Dia, <laughs> the untold story, might be more pleasant. But you didn't see the New York game, and the New York game that I I have a lot to say about the New York game. Let's game. start I there. Actually, go for it. I, oh, let's start there. Let's start there. First of all, we are still out. Collins, Nurk, CJ, we're still down. We're going into these games, and I think everybody, I, I mean, we've said it before, we were all a little iffy about what was going to happen, but we went into that New York game. We took an early lead. It was a big lead. It was looking good. The guys looked good. The team looked good. It was a fun game to watch, and then we hit halftime, and it kind of went downhill. But not too far downhill because we did not lose. We won, even though it was by a very small margin, not 20 points. We did win. And like we've said before, a win is a win. So we have that. That sounds like a win. Yeah, I I had to be out on (laughs) Sunday, so I didn't see the win. All I saw was the loss and the other loss. But yes, I mean, look, the Blazers are down at least four and a half, if not five players. I don't know that any team could sustain great play during that stretch or even good play during that stretch, considering five of your top 10 rotation players are simply out of action. That leaves about five to play. And then another two or three you weren't planning on playing. That's a that's a hard thing. And we need to take it back a minute here, too, because right before this New York game, Dame had twins. Congratulations to him. He has two babies now, Callie and Kali. They're super cute names. They're super cute babies. Congratulations to Dame. But let me just say something here. Because Dame came out a couple days after having twins. I mean, I know he didn't actually give birth to them. Because that would be a thing. I mean, that would be, whoa. Yeah. Although very Dame-like, actually. So he he comes out and, and has a record-breaking game. We can get to the records he broke in a minute. But this is what I want to say. I have given birth to three children. Granted, I know that actually giving birth is different than someone else giving birth and you being there not sleeping on the couch in a hospital room. But any parent knows, I'm sure you know this being a parent, Dave, that those first few weeks and months of having a newborn is a sleep deprivation like no one has ever known. And whether you actually were the one to give birth or you're the one sleeping on the couch in the hospital, you're exhausted. I remember shortly after my second child was born, I remember being so tired that I went out to get in my car and I pulled my keys out of my purse and I could not get my car to open. And I stood there for a good three minutes clicking the clicker at my car and it wouldn't open. And I looked down and realized that it was my older daughter's toy keys that I was clicking at my car that would not open. 
And so I, you know, eventually got in my car. I get home and I get to my front door of my house and I pull out my car keys and I stand in front of my door and click at my front door with the clicker trying to open my front door. That's how tired I was. I mean, I would find things in the fridge. I could barely function. And Dame's out here breaking records, moving up on the all-time three-point list, breaking his own free throw record. I was just like a sliver of a human being. So I give him a whole lot of credit for coming out and playing the kind of game that he came out and played. I feel like this is the kind of a game where he would have had a pass if he had struggled. Well, I mean, granted, there is that kind of daddy power magic that goes on after your child's born, though. Like, you know that, that this is your time to step up because mom, as you say, is not going to function real well for a little bit. And the baby is totally dependent. And of course, if you have older kids, you got to manage that, too, or someone does. Uh, and so, look, I agree with you 100 percent. It's fantastic. He was going to come out and do that. I can only believe that he was channeling that daddy's here. I'm a new dad energy and parlay it into a fantastic game and more power to him I, I think it's impressive myself i remember like driving home literally m my thing transformed on the trip home like i was driving home with my son my first board i was thinking wow well first of all actually you think they're letting me take him home um, <laughs> what do, do i do now yeah, do they know me i mean <laughs> but then you're like no let i me can be do a this. parent <laughs> Exactly. I can do this. I can do this. And you get in the car and for a minute you feel like, all right, yes, I am dad. I am bringing my child home. I can do anything. I will literally be Superman for this kid until you hit like the first four way stop. And then you like look 92 times, making sure no one's going to hit you. And you realize how vulnerable all of you are. And if you make one mistake, this child's life is forever doomed. And so somewhere we usually settle out there. I think Dame probably just wrote it. <laughs> just said four way stop this here's my 50 points or whatever it is that's what your dad does we're going to name this game in your honor and welcome to the world yeah i mean it was a game and it was fun watching his interview afterwards and they're saying did you want did you just want to go out there and show them you know whatever talking about the babies and he's like they're babies they don't know anything exactly. <laughs> so i love that <laughs> it's like, I, okay that's a good actually that's a good in for okay stupid media questions forgive me whoever asked <laughs> that i don't know but my god the impulse to make a story to weave a narrative out of anything oh my gosh dame like werewolves when he was in high school and he probably watched teen wolf and teen wolf wore this number which the same date is today and dame were you paying tribute to michael j fox with this game it's what the heck <laughs> i don't even know what you're talking about yeah. but we do that i mean and it's it's ridiculous sometimes but yeah so look uh, yeah. i didn't see that game i did see the oklahoma city game i think dame did what he could I think yeah. he did a decent job carrying the team. But you know what? He also, to his credit, set up and made room for Gary Trent Jr., Amphrey yeah. Simons. Uh, Cantor kind of mops up everybody else's mistakes, so that's a little different. But look, the wings and the guards were wonderful in that game, even though the Blazers basically got blown out. And... I just have to give so much credit to him. You know, we said a, a couple weeks ago that if he wanted to be an MVP, that this would be the stretch to do it, that he could literally yeah. take over this team, take every shot. No one would argue. 
Instead, you see the Blazers always making two to three passes on every possession. And sometimes, by the way, to their detriment, because that third guy who gets the ball at the arc is not the guy who should be shooting it. Like, it kills me to see Trent Jr. like open. And then it's like, oh, no, Jones Jr. is open or Carmelo's open and I'm going to be unselfish. And I'm like going, no, shoot the ball. You're the one who be selfish. Come on, Gary. But to their credit, they're running that offense. They're playing unselfishly. That comes from the top. It would not happen if other guards were in that seat. It happens with Dame. And hey, you know, it makes the losses marginally easier to take, I guess, because at least they are sticking together and doing what they're supposed to be doing instead of turning it into a circus. <sighs> you know, it's not what, how we wanted to be talking about the season, but for now, I guess I'll take it. I mean, I've got to be honest, we lost that game, but about halfway through, I got to a point where I sat back and I was like, okay, we're probably going to lose this game, but let's look on the bright side because, you know, that's what I do. And so, yeah, it was rough. It's a game that we definitely lost. But that being said, let's just talk for a second about the fact that not only did we have Collins out, not only did we have Nurk out, not only did we have CJ out, but for that game, we also had... Robert Covington out, and then halfway through, Derek Jones Jr. went out, and Hood was out. We weren't expecting Hood to be out, but he was, um, and later it came out that that was the last-minute decision. So that's six players that on a 14-man roster. That puts us at eight, which is the minimum that you can that you can play with, and we were not expecting that. We obviously weren't expecting Derek Jones Jr. to go down. We, uh, you know, Hood was a last-minute decision. So that being said, I think we held it down. You know, this is the kind of game that we might have had to play Anthony Tolliver as center. We didn't have to because we're a little deeper than we were before. But we only had eight people. And I think, you know, the fact that, first of all, let me just say, I was right again. Now, this is a short-term right. We'll see if it holds true. I, I think I know what you're going to say. You know, I was about to set you up for this. I was about to give you the assist. But if you <laughs> want to just I take just, the ball, put your I'm head down, and, and go right to the, to the rim, go ahead. Anthony Simons, man, we, I mean, people were all up in arms about the fact that we did not have a, a backup point guard, that he was not going to be that for us. But man, it, it's like he heard them and decided to prove them wrong because he came out swinging. That New York game was a good game for him. And then he came out, he was tied with Dave, if I'm not mistaken, for the highest scoring player on the Blazers in that OKC game. If Dame was higher, it was by like one point or two points. Yes, I was um, led for most of the game. Yeah, he was killing it. And he looked like he was confident. He looked like he was where he was supposed to be and doing what he needed to do. And that's what we need to see from him. And I just would like to go on record as saying, I knew it. I knew he could do it. So now the question becomes, can he maintain that? Can he continue to do that, especially right now in CJ's absence? Well, it depends. I think it benefits him that he's playing shooting guard, not point. Because he can play off ball a little bit more and he can concentrate yeah. on getting his shot when it's available instead of having to set everybody else up. 
And he did hit a couple of his own shots, and they were spectacular, but they weren't the kind of shots that you would, you know, a covered three-pointer fading away. It's great that it went in, but those weren't his best moments. His best moments were really, I think, playing off ball uh, and or charging to the hoop. I kind of like that aspect, too. And, and he yeah. did. He looked very confident in rhythm on offense. That's probably where he belongs, receiving the ball rather than directing it defensively still a lot of work to do obviously and that was true of the entire team and look yeah. first of all they've got huge holes i mean it's not even it's not even subtle anymore it's just like yeah. literally three players who can't play defense playing all at the same time it's not going to work that said you you can't expect huge defense uh, and a tight defensive effort from five players who have probably never even practiced together yeah. yeah, or if they have like two hours, <laughs> like that's right. just against an NBA offense. Again, that's gonna that's gonna be hard. This was a surprise. This wasn't the plan. It's not like they knew going into this for the last couple practices that they were going to be down Robert Covington and, and Hood. Like those were those were last minute things. That, and then and then Derek Jones Jr. went down during the game. So those aren't things you can predict. Right, and it's also all your defenders. Literally, all the defenders are gone now. Yeah, everybody you hung yeah. the defense on, and and I don't think I'm not being facetious. I mean, who defend Collins, uh, Nurkic? He wasn't doing well, but coming into the season, you expected him to be Covington. You literally got for defense. Jones Jr. You got mostly right. for defense. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. There's there's one. Gary Trent Jr. was still there. He's a he expected to be a good defender and was playing. So that's one. And then four yeah. people who you don't expect to defend. That's not going to work. Now, everybody knows the Blazers' defense is not good right now. Terry Stott said it. Uh, you can see it. Everybody yeah. knows it. It's going to be really hard to win games like that. But if you now shift into so many players are injured that this is player development mode, again, not where we expected to be, but if that's where we are, actually, I think they're not doing too poorly out there. No, I don't think so either. And, and I mean, again, you know, Melo stepped up. Gary Trent Jr. stepped up. Cantor had a killer game. He had, what, like 20, was it 28 rebounds? 22? Uh, 22 28? in OKC. 22. Yeah. Yeah, 22. Okay. I mean, that's great. I almost feel like until we get these guys back, we as a fan base just need to accept the fact that our defense is going to struggle. It just is. That's not who these players are, and we know that. And I think we just need to go into this preparing for that and whatever solid defense we see is is a plus and let's just revert back to scoring 200 points as being our defensive strategy because I mean we got to just push through these games where we have these guys down Robert Covington is that's not going to be it was a concussion protocol I believe so he shouldn't be out long Derek Jones Jr. I'm hope I mean we haven't obviously heard more it could be worse than they're letting on but I, I think initially they started to send him back in the game so I'm hoping that that means that it's not anything too bad you know and again we're gonna get we're gonna get CJ back we're gonna get Nurkic back so we'll get there I, I just I know that a lot of people right now are just like, this is it. This is the season. Like, we're just going to, we're going to tank or we're going to just not be that good, whatever. But like, honestly, I can't let go of this hopes for uh, making a run for it. I think we're going to see these guys step up and develop in this short little amount of time. And hopefully that's going to, that's going to be a good thing for us. Well, look, there's no more tanking. I mean, if you're going to tank, that should have been four years ago, three years ago. If you're tanking now, you're tanking for a player who is going to blossom 
after Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are yep. gone. That's not a viable option unless it's your only option. And I don't think the Blazers would. First of all, they didn't do it when they could have. They're not going to do it now. I think it's just ridiculous to even suggest that that would be any kind of strategy at this point. Winning games is a pretty high expectation now, especially against good teams. But as you say, you, you run out the stretch. You just play as well as you can. You develop the players you can. Hope somebody steps up becomes useful in the second part of the season because they've gained their confidence and a little bit of experience and just pray that the injuries get done because there is no solution. I mean, everybody's going, what's the magic? Why don't coaching this or whatever that? And if you're going to make a coaching change after the season, I mean, so be it. Maybe your team is snakebird and maybe you need a new voice. I don't know. I'd be willing to entertain those arguments in the summer, but no coaching change is going to bring back six injured players. It's just, it is what it is. There's there's yeah. nothing else to say about this. It is what it is. Eke out every when you can and hope that your players get back soon. I think it's human nature to try to blame things on someone. You know, something like this happens and you want to look for a reason. You don't want it just to be that we had bad luck. But the fact of the matter is, like, none of this is anyone's fault. These injuries aren't, you know, carelessness or anything like that. It's just part of the game. I have a hard time writing it off at this point still. Like, I still think that one of the things that I really love about this team is their ability to play just as hard as they need to. That doesn't always happen, but oftentimes when people start to count them out, they don't come in and kill it, but they come in and they play just good enough to keep themselves in a good position or a decent position or an okay position. I think at this point, we just have to look at this as we're deeper than we've been before. We've got enough players that can step in here and continue to hold us together. And we just need to make it to the playoffs. And we're still in a really good position for that as of now. Granted, this is early in the season. We're still so early. And I feel like everybody just kind of freaks out. This is (laughs) is Blazer fandom to a T. It's like we are on top of the world or we are at the very depth of hell like there's no middle ground and I think again I I think I said this last week but like right now we're in that middle ground we're not at the top we're also not at the bottom we're we're in that middle ground we need to hold on to that we need to continue to pull out the wins that we can and try to hold it together until we get our team back and in the meantime hopefully some of this extra play for these for these guys will help Yeah, part of the issue might be that there's a slow rolling revelation of maybe some of these players weren't as either weren't as good. And I don't like weren't as good because I don't think we know yet, but are more one dimensional and maybe slightly less useful than we had hoped. I mean, Ennis Cantor, you knew that about and he's a perfect example. Uh, Great get, I think, as as a reserve center, especially for this team. But if you have to play in major minutes, obviously his defensive flaws show up along with the stellar rebounding and whatever scoring he does. So you get the idea that he's good, but easily exposed. And there's not enough infrastructure around him right now to keep him from getting exposed. That's just the example. That's the archetype. But, for instance, you also have that perhaps about Simons. Granted, he is young. About Jones Jr. Uh, even about Covington. you got a, a lot of guys who do some things well, but there's not the overarching jigsaw puzzle coming together where their cracks and curves get matched up to somebody else's strengths and it all fits together and makes a pretty picture. Instead, it's like a bunch, bunch of 
pieces on the table that is not quite meshing now and you just lost five of them down the vent and now you have to go digging for them that's that's an issue the one that really hurts more than any others though is the one you've mentioned three times now it's collins and obviously his absence hurts because he was going to be a defensive five who could also maybe shoot a little bit this year he was still working on that but you also know from his track record that he's exactly the type of player i just named that his offense is not great that his footwork is still developing that his defensive instincts are fantastic but he has not meshed he has never been healthy is not produced and I'm not sure that's entirely his fault and I, I'm not sticking this on him he's not a bad player I don't think but you start to roll back and look at the players Portland could have had I mean yeah. Donovan Mitchell was there yeah and, this and they is, took this Zach. Is painful yeah that's that's the hard part <laughs> I think a painful game and, I, and again I'm not looking to blame people either but I'm saying when you peel back this story there are complex layers behind it. And one of those layers is, well, should the six or eight players remaining be the six or eight players that are really on this roster? Or even, in some cases, should three of the six players who are injured be on this roster or were there better moves available? And it's really hard right now, after all the Blazers have been through, to look around and say, you know what, this was the ideal. This was it. And it's just injuries. And if it weren't injuries, they'd be world champions. Injuries are a huge part of it. They're the main cause. But injuries are also exposing some some things that this team is not. So let me take off the rose-colored glasses and put aside the unicorns and the rainbows for a minute and just say this. I'll hold them. Feel free to, to put them on for yourself. I know can you I can maybe the use unicorn? them. The unicorn. <laughs> it's hard for me to do that, first of all. It's hard for me to not see the positive and, and look for that. And part of the reason is something that I've talked about before. You know, I like the people that we have on the team as people. I want to see them succeed. That being said, even as good as this team looked on paper going into this season, I don't think anyone looked at that paper and thought, oh, they're a shoe-in for the championship. No one thought that. We were still going into this a little bit of an underdog for that. It was just such an improvement from what we've had in the past. Have you ever watched the show Survivor? Uh, Yes, I've seen a couple seasons. Okay, so Survivor is my all-time favorite show. I love it. One day I'm going to play Survivor. But one of the things that is interesting about Survivor is is the challenges when they have these puzzles. And there are people who can step back, who can look at these puzzles as a whole, look at the pieces, and instantly pick up those pieces and put them in all the right spots, and they're done. There are other people who have to pick up pieces, put them in, take them out, put in a different one, take out another one, shift it around. And then there are other people who just stand there with pieces all around their feet, not knowing what to do with them. And I feel like In years past, we have kind of been the guys standing around with all the right pieces at our feet, but not really knowing what to do with it. We don't know what to do with them. And maybe they're they're not all the right pieces. Maybe we're only going to use a few of them, but they're just sitting there. And I feel like we're kind of at the point right now where we're putting all the pieces in and pulling them out and trying to figure out what's going to fit and what's not. And I think we've got a few of those pieces in the correct spots, but I think some of them are not in the correct spots. And I say this as someone who who cries almost every trade season because I don't want to see players go to another team because I'm emotionally invested in who they are as people and I want to see them succeed. That being said, 
we have Dame right now in his prime. And every single person who is a Portland Trailblazer fan and many people who are not want to see him win a ring. And I look at this and I think as much as I love some of these people as people, as much as I want to see them succeed, we aren't going to win like this. We're going to keep struggling and we're going to keep fighting and we're going to keep having the same problems that we're having if we don't figure out the right order for the right pieces. And I think that that's where we're at, where we've got, you look at these pieces individually and, and even on paper and it looks good, but we just can't get them in the right spots and we can't get a cohesive put together all the time. And, and some of that is not our fault. Some of that is like we've talked about, some of that is due to injury and whatever else. It's hard to look at this and think like, man, it, it, like what you said, we could have had, or we could do this, or we could do that. All of that being said, taking back my unicorn, <laughs> putting back on the rose-colored glasses, part of the reason that I am the way that I am is because, quite frankly, I don't want to sit and watch a team lose all... I don't want to expect my team to lose. It's not fun for me to watch a game thinking, man, this is going to suck. We're really going to lose this one. It's not fun for me to watch a game thinking, man, our players really, they're too young. They don't know what they're doing. We can't get it together. That's not fun for me. So I go into these games and I look at these players and I think, okay, what good is going to come out of this? What can I see? What parts of this can I look at and think, okay, this could get us to a championship. Okay, this can get us where we need to go. And so that's what you're seeing from me. I can put it aside and say, without all the positivity, without all the optimism, we're not in the best place right now. We're struggling. And some of that is the fault of the choices that have been made. Some of that is just unfortunate luck. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a seed of decent analysis there. You will find, in general, everyone will, more profit and better analysis asking why a move was made and what potential good could come of it than simply finding the ways to hate it. Okay, Because there are always reasons to hate every move and every draft. Instead, try to get in the mind of the executive who made the call and say, in what way does this make sense? Now, there are a couple moves for which you will find no answer. But most of them, you can see the angle that they're getting at. The problem the Blazers have had has not been that individual moves haven't made sense. They have. The problems are three. One, injuries. Okay, The moves had potential yeah. but, but couldn't flower because people got hurt. Two, that expected talent wasn't there, and especially true of the draft, right? That it's a crapshoot, and you really hope the optimum will happen. Where has the optimum happened for the Blazers in the draft since CJ? I'm scratching my head to try to think of the player that developed. And CJ is now 30, by the way. So that gives you an idea of how long it's been since they really had a home run. The other, though, which I think is equally important, is... Even though the moves have made sense in isolation, they haven't necessarily made sense in light of each other. In other words, you've got tab A and slot B is how it's supposed to go, but you have tab A and tab B, and now you're kind of duct taping tab A and tab B together and calling it a thing. Well, anyone who's ever put together IKEA knows that ain't going to work for long. Your desk right. is going to be wobbly. And the Blazers have had a wobbly desk for a while. We could have had this conversation in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. At what point is the narrative going to change? And again, this has very little to do with the injuries they're experiencing right now. 
It has right. everything to do with them uncovering the lid on this and what's inside looks just about the same as what we're used to. And that it wasn't supposed to happen. So you start to ask, at what point is it a veneer? Look, there's still mid-season trade possibilities. We've discussed that. Yeah. We also know that there's wholesale changes coming at the end of the season, no matter what. We've discussed well, that. And on, on, I'm going to interrupt you really quick, because Please. for the mid-season trade deals, like if we're talking about that, what's going on right now is actually an advantage for us with that, in my opinion. Because we're not going to trade... I mean, okay, maybe I shouldn't say this so assuredly. There are people who think we will trade CJ. I am doubtful that we are going to trade CJ. I am doubtful we are going to trade Nurk. So those injuries aside, I, I'm not really worried about that. But because of those injuries, now we have some of these younger guys who could be trade pieces that are stepping up, that are getting minutes, that are showing how valuable they can be when they're just sitting on a bench they're not as valuable in a trade. So to me, once again, this is the positive in all of this, that these guys are getting an opportunity to show what value they can bring. Possibility. Uh, and I don't disagree that the, the lower end ballast could become more valuable because of this. The problem the Blazers will have is who's the salary matching or talent matching main person in addition to those young people. And they, the guy they really need is Rodney Hood, and he's just not there. But you got to believe Hood is available. You've got to believe that, uh, obviously, Collins is available at this point. you got to believe that Simons is available. I mean, i, I got to think that I, one of this, you know. I don't feel like there are very many pieces that aren't, to be honest. I mean, I know Neil tends to get kind of attached to certain players and things like that. But yeah. really, when you look at this from and, and take a step back and remove the feelings from it, there are not very many guys on this team that should not be at least part of the discussion. I mean, the big three, as you point out, and I think some of them should be available, but so be it. The big three probably aren't midseason uh, unless it's an absolutely blow you away trade. Uh, and by that, you mean Dane, CJ, and Nurk, Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. Also... You've got to think that uh, Jones Jr. is getting an extra look. Now, if he can't shoot any better than he does, that may change. And who knows? He's also a potential as a short-term contract, so take it with a grain of salt. But if anyone started to distinguish themselves as semi-interesting, it's probably him. Gary Trent is always interesting, but you know what? They didn't extend him and he didn't sign. You know, he's he's betting on himself. And unless they want to open the coffers for him, he's probably dealable at this point, too. So, look, there's a lot. of. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like, like it either. That. But there's a lot of potential out there. The problem is, again, it's too late. I mean, yeah. these moves last year or even right. the year before would yeah. have been better honestly. And I know they didn't have Hood the year before, whatever. But look, what can you get for Zach Collins right now? I don't think yeah. you can get much of anything for him. Well, what can and you if you start making big moves, anything, anything big, anything where you're blowing up a lot of the team, where you're just breaking it apart, you're now dealing, and I know I say this all the time, but I feel like it is so true. You're now dealing with a mid-season chemistry issue where you have new guys trying to adjust to each other. Oh, and but they have that anyway, Dia. I mean, it's literally right now there yeah, are six new guys playing trying to adjust to each other. 
Right, but they've been working on it. Now, if you change it again, I'm not saying it can't happen or it shouldn't happen or it won't happen. I'm just saying it's another factor when you're talking about making big moves. Maybe it's going to change. Season. It's going to change when CJ and Nurk come back anyway. So, I mean, well, to to an extent, but but these are people that are familiar. You bring someone that none of these guys have ever played with. That's a different story than bringing someone back in that they know that they're used to. That they that sure, but they with. haven't played with Covington or Jones Jr. that long either. I mean, it doesn't no, but, take... But even though they haven't played with them, they're in these practices, they're around them, they're seeing how they play, they're getting a feel for each other, whether they're actually doing that or not. That's a totally different scenario than grabbing some person from some other team and throwing them in the mix of that. I, again, I'm not saying that sure, it's a but, big enough difference to not do it. I'm just saying it's another factor. Only for the first three weeks, then they'll get settled. But they got to get someone on a longer term contract that they really like. Or they got to make, they, something's got to happen. Basically, right now, they're making car payments on an automobile that's in the shop. And it didn't run to begin with. They, like, literally went out and bought it slightly used. It never ran real well. It's in the shop, and they owe money on it, and they're paying it every month. They've got to flip that script somehow because they but can't keep paying into this. And comfortable, and we really like it. Okay, but that's that's a reason to have like a spouse. That's not a reason to have a, a Chevy. Okay, that's like, you can replace the Chevy with something that actually runs. You probably should do it. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's there's always going to be that factor for me where, I, and and you know, I mean, people come at me all the time for this, but I, the fact is, like, I I want to watch players that I like. Yeah, you're a good soul. I like that. <laughs> I also want to win, so yep. there's that too. Look, the expectations from the beginning of the season are still dragging on, and they're getting linked to like historical things like we just did of all the weight and baggage of years past in a way that's kind of unhealthy. It's like you carried a sack full of bowling balls into the season. You said, I'm going to walk on this floor, and it better hold, and that floor had no underpinning, and you just fell through. Time to let go of the bowling balls. Time to let go of your dreams about the floor, and it's time to figure out, negotiate the next step forward, the few after that, get somewhere back on track, and try to reset what your mission is right now. Because carrying that sack of bowling balls over whatever tightrope they were walking is not going to happen. Reset and either make it about the young players, make it about the future, make it about a trade. But you can't just keep going on and saying this is the same season and we hope it'll turn around because I mean, at can. this point it's not going to. You can. It might. You don't know. <laughs> I'm, here's the thing. I, I, is, you're my favorite person. <laughs> this, so, this is, here, it is throw, what it toss is. Toss me a unicorn. It is. We, we need unicorns for all the Trailblazer fans right now. We need therapy unicorns because everyone's losing their minds. We all but just that, sat that, down on the unicorn. That's why we said left the unicorn alone for a minute, went to get a cup of coffee and a beer and sat down in that horn. Just ow. OK, maybe we, should maybe we should move the unicorn. This is who we have. I know that moves can be made in midseason. I know that's a possibility. But putting that aside, this is what we've got. We are where we are right now, and we've got we've got to figure out a way around that. Good. Well, like, make it about Gary Trent Jr.'s improvement or Anthony Simon's dazzling us or something. Make I don't it think a- we can do that. I don't think we can do that at this point in in Dame's career. I think as long as there is any type of shot, until we are at the point 
where you look at our record and there is no way that we get a foot into the cha- into the playoffs, you can't do that. Well, then you you've got to change the lineup or go back in a time machine and undo the decisions that were made the last four years that got well, us that's here. that's clearly those, not an option. Those are the... Those are the options. But I, look, right now, I'm, not saying, look, I'm saying, look, I don't want to be miserable. Like, we're either going to be explaining this every week like the same way we hope, but it's not happening. Or we're going to be miserable because we, we expect wins and we expect contention and they're losing. I'm actually good with letting go of that for right now. Not, not, not even all season. It's okay. When CJ gets back, when Nurk gets back, I'm willing to readjust again. But right now it feels like all of Blazer Nation just needs an intellectual, emotional reset where we go, hey, Schedule's kind of tough this week, but hey, Trent's playing pretty good and Simons looks great and maybe that can develop into something when the other players get back. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm not completely delusional where I just think we're going to go out and win it all. I mean, I said that if, with that no, OKC give game... Me, we open that door a little bit. You're going to go through it. <laughs> I said during that OKC game about halfway through, especially then when Derek Jones Jr. went down, I was like, okay, we're probably not going to win this. I won't lie and say that I wasn't still holding out hope, but <laughs> I can be realistic enough to say I, I could look at that and say, okay, this this probably isn't our game. And so that's why I said at that point, then you adjust, like you're saying, you adjust what you're looking for and you say, okay, well, this is the good that came out of it. And this is the good that came out of it. So maybe that's where we're at. Maybe we're, maybe, and this is, I think, kind of what you were trying to say. I think maybe for the next couple weeks, the next few weeks, while we wait on CJ and we wait on Nurk, we all, as a collective fan base, need to adjust our expectations and look for the positive outcomes that we can find here while they scramble to figure out what they're going to do. Because we have no control over that. We can't control what they do. All we can control is how, and I, I you know, maybe there are people who just really, I, there are people who love horror movies, right? People love horror movies. It's literally called a horror movie. It's torture. It's awful. But there are people that love it. So maybe there are Blazer fans who love looking at this and seeing all the negative things. I don't know. Maybe those people exist. Well, there are a lot of people who like to say they were right. And there are a lot of people who actually become right retroactively because they didn't actually predict that this would happen. They're just like, I knew it. So I think those people enjoy it. I think everybody else is looking for a ray of something to hold on to. And I think that's what we should give them, frankly. Yeah. I think this should be for the foreseeable future for the next three or four weeks. I don't think we do this every podcast. I think we just say, yep, that was the record. There were some, here were the great things. Here were the different things, but it's not an expectation that they're not going to suck because in some ways they probably are. But in yeah. the midst of that suckiness, here are here are the right things. And then we yeah. know, everybody knows out there, Dave and Dia listeners, that as soon as that contention or playoffs or whatever door cracks a little bit, Dia's going to crowbar it open and we're all going to get to go through it. And until that, she's just going to sit outside the door, ringing the doorbell until they open it. We're good. We're not going to give I, up. But Again, I, like, I'm like i not completely delusional here. No, I'm not saying you're delusional. You're just a real persistent salesman. You're I know like, you're literally. not saying I'm delusional. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have listened to this who think I'm delusional. And I'm, I'm good with that. That's fine. But I'm just saying that I think you're right. This is a very weird way of saying I think you're right. I think you're right. I think our expectations need to be adjusted. We can't go into these. We can't go. This is this, I'm telling myself this too. We can't go into every single game thinking we're going to win them all. Because the reality is 
it's unlikely. It's possible, but it's unlikely. It's not likely that we're going to go into this next stretch of games, this road trip that we're coming up on here, and win them all. We're not. I mean, win them all. It might not be likely that we win one. Okay, come on. I think think we take the wins we can get, and the, the wins that we can't get... We take the positives out of that. Well, At least I yeah. will. If all of you want to take out the negatives and run with that, then you know we'll we'll debate that later. So, Blazer fans, <laughs> look, you brought rainbows and unicorns into the season. You packed them along. That's great. Time to grind down that unicorn unicorn horn, <laughs> wrap it up in a rainbow, smoke it. Uh, it's probably legal in Oregon. Just chill for a minute, <laughs> and when the contact high of the rainbow unicorn uh, concoction wears off, CJ will probably be back. Nurk will probably be back, and then we, we can, can only hope. We can t- don't do drugs. This is kind of an interesting thing. You know, it, it's not necessarily specifically game related, but it's something that has gotten a lot of coverage. It's sparked a lot of controversy and debates. Damian Lillard releases, he released a shoe that, you know, he obviously has a contract with Adidas and it was celebrating his 50 point game against Oklahoma City. The shoes, if you have not seen them, are Oklahoma City Thunder colors and in the insole, it shows his stat line from the game. And people have opinions. People have opinions. I missed all this. What are the opinions? Well, first of all, I just want to lay out the facts here just to make sure that we have an all-around picture because I think a lot of this has been missed in the opinions. First of all, Dame went on record as saying that Adidas is doing a line of these shoes celebrating players that had 50-point games. They are all being done essentially the same way, the opposite team's colors with the stat line in the insole. I looked it up. It is true. There are others like this. It's not just Dame. Dame also went on record as saying he kind of wishes they would have picked another team, another game to, to highlight because he doesn't want people thinking that he's still harping on this same game over and over. That being they said, they call these what air jerkwads? I mean, just like <laughs> what the okay, you're, you're using the opponent's team, the opposing team colors. You're yeah. really likely, like, I want those shoes, they're my team's colors. Oh, they got the stat line of the dude who literally dropped 50 on my favorite team. The poor yeah. footlocker people, if those ever ex- still existed, like, you're gonna get shoe salesmen beamed in the forehead by flying shoes as people realize, yeah, it's what's an going interesting. It's an interesting tactic. I've seen a lot of things about it. Oklahoma City fans are pretty salty about it. I don't blame them necessarily. That being said, um, I think that it's fair game. I think, you know, Dame had a great, that was a, that was a historic game that will forever be remembered. And I think um, that's especially because they're doing that with other players. It's fair game. It sparked a, a little bit of a debate on Twitter, on my own Twitter, as we discussed this. And and someone, um, actually a friend of mine, brought up, are we just liking this because it's Dame and we like him? Like, how would we feel if this was someone that did this to our team? How would we take this? Would we still kind of like it? Because, I mean, Blazer fans, as a Blazer fan, like, you kind of like it. You kind of like that this is that this is a thing. I kind of like it. I mean, I'm not buying the shoes. I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of laughed and thought it was a, a cool thing. And I think it's a legit question. I think it's a legitimate question to say, like, if Steph Curry came out with 
a shoe that, you know, I don't know if he dropped, but if some other player did it against the Blazers, would we be, would we have an issue with this? Um, so that's a- the Shaq dance shoe for yeah. those who remember the, uh, whatever it was, the 2000 uh, Western Conference Finals or whatever, the big collapse, Game 7. I'll tell you what I said, and then I'm going to let you tell me your opinion. I think, first of all, that I am not opposed to things like this. I think it's part of what makes this fun, regardless of who it is. I mean, shoe deals, contracts, whatever, like that, that is what it is. But I think this stuff is is, is in good fun, and I think it's a, a, a kind of fun thing. I personally would not take that personally if it was a team and a player that did it against our team. I would probably, in fact, after the last game, after the Oklahoma City game, someone made a parody of the shoe that got passed around. I can't remember exactly what it said, but basically you got, I think it said something like Dane got beat by Dort or something like that in the soul. I mean, it was, it was what it was, but it was, it's funny. I mean, it's, you have to have kind of a good humor about this. That being said, I also think that, you know, Dame carries himself with class. I think he's somebody that is not, he's not a big trash talker. He usually lets his game speak for itself. And so to me, I kind of like seeing a little bit of spice. That's my opinion. So, first of all, you don't want this shoe made of you. Uh, don't let someone score 50 on you. I mean, that's the... You can, you can solve this problem. Yeah. That's it. The way they probably should have done it was to put the colors of the guy who scored 50 on the right. shoe. Right, the blazer colors. But the sole, the undersole, the part that touches the ground, you color oh, that, that the color of the opposing team. So you're yeah. like walking all over them. And that's, I mean, it would be great. I mean, the symbolism is great. You, you do a little tease of the colors on the side of the sole so you can tell what's under there. But every step you take, you're just smashing them into the ground with your 50-point shoes. Of course, none of us can score 50. We couldn't even score two. But, hey, you know, we live vicariously through Dame. If, if, good if podcasting doesn't work out for you, Dave, you should probably try to get a job as a shoe designer. Well, I mean, that's, that's just that's common solid. sense. I could have told, <laughs> I think anybody could have told them that, actually putting the opponents and then yeah that's it's a little bit of a mixed message there who's the heel and who's the baby face but that's how i would have done it i think that would have solved that problem but hey whatever would i be really happy with a uh, blazer shoes and i look inside and there's a los angeles lakers stat line in there in remembrance of the time that you got baked by you know Shaq or kobe bryant yeah no i don't think i'm buying those shoes i think i'm defacing those shoes i might like steal those shoes to you know i mean you can always replace the insole if you like the shoe yeah i don't know it it is interesting because somebody commented that um you know oklahoma city fans were liking the colorway because it's hard to find shoes in those colors but there's that added part so who buys it blazer fans i don't really want an oklahoma city color shoe And and so Oklahoma City fans don't really want the stat line in the heel. So on okay. Adidas side, design flaw, maybe. Well, look, they're Oklahoma City fans. They wear boots and they can't tie shoes anyway. So oh, I no. don't see how <laughs> I don't see how this this strategy is going to work. I hope there's like Velcro <laughs> with instructions or it oh, comes no. or it comes with like a mom inside to come and like Velcro those down for you. I just want to say to Doug and Leisha, my dear friends who are from Oklahoma City, this is not anything personal. <laughs> now do oh. Cleveland. Oh, man. Who else can Dave score 50 on that we can roast their fan base? 
Oh, it's an interesting take. It's definitely an interesting take. I think anything that gets people talking is solid podcast content. So well, I mean, let's let's face it. If you, if the Blazers had a shoe, it would be great for like the first two days. Then the soles would flop out on like we flapping like an open. I mean, that's just just every fan base has their thing. Oh man, Dave, I. <laughs> It's a good thing you're the boss, because otherwise I think we'd get fired. <laughs> you already fired me on like podcast two. Like, what? <laughs> Dude, I, I I think I'm on borrowed time here. Clearly, it didn't do any good because here we are, eleven yeah. episodes in, and, and you're what point does here? this become the Dia and Dia podcast? And you could just hop on both sides of the mic. Oh, <laughs> yes, Dia, man. you're right. World champions. <laughs> Finally, now. someone admits it. <laughs> nice fashion sense, too. <laughs> We've just gone completely off the rails at this of point. Of course we did, because shoes. But <laughs> what we do. What we do. That's right. Today is the year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death, and, and I don't want to get into a big Kobe discussion. But what I do want to say is I, I just want to share a story really quick of um, something that happened for me. And, and I actually wrote an article, not for Blazer's Edge, for the publication I was working for before, but um, about this specific experience. And it's something that's really stuck with me. And I just, you know, regardless of your thoughts and feelings on him as a person or as a player or whatever, it's an absolute tragedy what happened. And there were many families that day that were touched by tragedy. Shortly after, you know, I, I, I've said this a few times, but I live in Los Angeles. Um, so obviously I'm close to the Staples Center. And shortly after this happened, I was in the LA area for a photo shoot and I had my camera with me and I decided to go down to the Staples Center and see what was going on down there. And there were obviously a lot of people, a lot of fans that were down there, a lot of tributes and things like that that were set up for Kobe all over the Staples Center. And I happened to be wearing a Blazers sweatshirt because I hadn't been planning to go down to the Staples Center. Didn't really think about the fact that I was wearing a Blazers sweatshirt as I entered the land of the Lakers. But it was a really interesting experience and something that I just thought was, was worth sharing. I could hear people yelling. There were people everywhere. People were talking and, and, and writing things on walls and whatever else. And I could hear these like bursts of cheers, people cheering. I followed that sound and, and I walked up to this, this group of people all around this makeshift wall with, you know, those little basketball uh, hoops that you clip over your door sure. and you can shoot the little ball. Somebody had clipped one of those up on the top of that makeshift wall and this there was this group of people gathered and they were all kind of taking shots at this little basketball thing and you could hear people chanting Kobe's name you could hear people chanting Gigi's name and this this little girl comes out of the crowd of people and she goes to take a shot and she misses and she got embarrassed and she turned and she ran to her mom and kind of started to get you know shy and a little bit teary and a lady from the other side of the crowd walked over to the little girl and said, no, not today. Today, everybody makes it. And she picked up the little girl, walked her over to the basketball hoop and lifted her up in the air so that the little girl could make the, the basket. And I'm standing there watching this. And, and I just started to think like this is I mean, this was obviously before COVID. 
people were still gathering. These are complete strangers. And I watched this little scene unfold and I thought, you know, tragedy has a way of bringing people together. And in the midst of tragedy, for me that day, there was this hope and this humanity that has stuck with me. And I think that, you know, all of us have had a difficult year. Nobody has had it easy this year. There have been deaths. There have been big fights for social justice. There have been protests. There have been just all this difficult things to, to handle, all this tragedy, all these you know people adjusting to losing jobs, to losing homes, to losing family members, people adjusting to not being able to be around people that they love. And we have all been touched by tragedy in one way, shape or form this year. And I guess in the midst of that, I just want to take this opportunity to remind everybody who's listening that one, you're not alone. Sometimes it feels like you're alone and it feels hopeless and it feels like things are never going to get better. But I just would challenge everyone, you know, here come the rainbows and the unicorns again, but like we all need a little bit of that. And I think it's a really good reminder today that life is short. We are not promised tomorrow and we need to be kind and we need to be good to people and we need to have that hope of humanity that I saw that night where this stranger was just like, no, you're not going to fail and I'm going to make sure of it. I don't really know why I felt like sharing this. It's something that has stuck with me and I feel like this year with all of the stuff that has happened, it's just a good reminder to all of us that we, we need to have each other's backs we need to show up. We need to be there for each other. And I think that Rip City is a special, special thing. I know it has been for me. I, I shared on the blog on Christmas about how I felt just instead of feeling alone when I was alone on Christmas, I felt like I was surrounded by it was when all the James Harden stuff broke and my phone is pinging and everything and all these conversations are happening. And I can I can sit here and say over and over and over there have been times where that community of other Blazer fans has shown up for me and has been an encouragement for me. And I have built actual real friendships with people on Twitter, with people through Blazer's Edge, with people who I never would have known outside of being a Blazer fan. So I guess I just say all that to say, be kind, don't take anything for granted, love your people, and just be there, be there for people, show up. And, and also for everybody who's done that for me in Rip City as part of this community, thank you for that as well. Yeah, it's a good response to remembering a tragic event, I think, and lifting up hope in the midst of a world where things don't always go right. And, you know, that's going to happen with the Blazers. Obviously, we talked about that. But either way, if the Blazers don't live up to expectations, if the Blazers exceed expectations and win a title, the real key thing to it, the juice that comes out of that is not a, a, a metal trophy uh, or a one loss record and ping pong balls in the lottery. It's that we talk about it and every opportunity is a chance to come together, uh, whether it's in uh, questioning or in sorrow or in absolute joy. The key is that we come together over it and doing so, we become more than ourselves and the sport becomes more than what it is on paper as well. And that's what we're going to keep doing uh, now and next week. We will see you then. 
hopefully we'll have 100% record on the road for the Blazers to talk about. You've heard it here first. Dia Miller guarantees lock solid. Bet those games. They're going to win them. Wait a second. Um, I didn't say that. I, I, you know, I, on the other hand, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the eternal skeptic who's going to get his comeuppance next week, show up so Dia can tap dance on my poor tears predicting the Blazers might not win even one and uh oh, we gotta win what hear her be right again what? I mean that's, that's really what this part it's like Anthony Simons going in and jamming it's like that's what you came to see so uh we'll look forward to seeing that next week until then uh I'm Dave Deckard for Dia Miller uh be good to each other and go Blazers this has been Dave and Dia a Blazers Edge production Find more basketball talk at blazersedge.com. Watch your step as you exit, and we hope to see you again soon. Dave and Dia, what is that? A Swedish skin cream company?